0: I probably had about five or six really significant career shifts. Janai, it's even more than that. People asking me or not asking me about my degree. I've never had an interview. I've never had a background check. I have never had a drug test. I've never applied for a job. And nobody has ever asked me about my degree, ever. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. Keeps us evolving. we yeah. growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where
1: I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today's guest is Teddy Burris. Do you mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Oh, Lordy, I could peel back one layer or 30. Let me peel back
0: a little bit of a layer. Tonight, I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm a social media strategist. I focus on teaching business professionals to use LinkedIn as a business tool. I also do a fair amount of volunteer work. I'm a volunteer career coach. Uh, helping people figure out their career search journey. And I'm also a SCORE mentor. So I do business coaching across North Carolina. I could tell you about Larry Moe and Curly, some of the best hamburgers I've ever eaten in my life, but we'll hold those stories for another day.
1: Yeah, no, you. I know you're full of stories. Now, this is going to be like a tough question because there's a lot, but if you could create a blueprint of your success to pass on to someone else without a college degree, what would it look like? Like what to do, what not to do?
0: Yeah, it was. Um, I was um, 17 years old when I was awarded back in those days, a little while ago, uh, what was referred to as a senatorial scholarship. So it was uh, University of Maryland, College Park, four years of tuition paid. Wasn't a whole lot of money back then. It's a huge amount of money today, but what I didn't have paid was room and board books and travel. And, um, I, my family and myself could not afford to pay the room and board in college park. So I was relegated to driving my little hot rod that I used to have back and forth a hundred miles, um, 120 some miles round trip. And, uh, I couldn't do it. So I literally failed in the first semester at college. But I didn't let that really bother me. I went and got a job so I could, you know, pay my way. But Janai, what I really started thinking about is what is it that I really want to do? And it wasn't going to be what the school counselor or the career center told me I should do based on some kind of assessment. It's I looked around at what people were doing and what they were enjoying doing. For me, it was computers, but that may not be for everybody. But my point is, I went and found something I really enjoyed doing, and I started practicing and experimenting and playing and trying different things out. But probably the most important thing that I did, Janine, is that I started finding ways to hang out with people who were doing the things that I wanted to do. I went and found people who were playing in the sandbox with the toys that I wanted to play with. And that t- really took me a lot of time to figure that out, um, to be able to articulate it in somewhat logical words. But that's the magic. Find something that you really, truly think you can enjoy doing for the rest of your life. It may not be that way, yeah. but at least right now you believe that's what I can enjoy doing for the rest of my
1: life. And then go find people who do it. And that can open doors for you. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind the scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. No, that is a great recipe for success because so many people focus on getting advice from people who don't have experience in that area and you don't get the true insights and you get sort of a, maybe a textbook definition that may not be based in reality. So what would you say is the salary range for someone that wants to do the same thing as you?
0: Oh my God. You know, I'm $600 an hour, but not everybody's going to, in my mind, but not not everybody's going to get $600 an hour. I want to answer that really sincerely. It's not about the dollar. It really isn't. I mean, I make good money. I live a blessed life, but it's not about the dollar. If you only chase the dollar, you will not be as happy as you can be. What you need to do is you need to chase something that you can get out of bed in the morning and absolutely have a freaking smile on your face, looking forward to Putting on that uniform, whatever that uniform looks like. And for me, it's just a freaking, you know, collared shirt. But you need to get out of bed in the morning, going into doing something that you truly freaking enjoy. And if you focus on that and you get really good at that, the dollars come. They come. Look, I mean, there are a lot of people who do what I do. There are people who do it for way more money than I do it for, and they live in the bigger cities there are people who do it for way less money than I do it for. And they live in the smaller cities. It's not the dollar.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's really important because so many people are chasing the dollar, but they forget that if you don't like the job, it doesn't really matter. You're going to, go home. You're going to be exhausted because you don't like the job. You're going to dread going to work. You're not going to put your 100% effort into it just because you just mentally can't. You know, you always put more effort into things that you generally enjoy. Now, were you ever asked about not having a degree in your job interviews?
0: <laughs> I'm 65 years old this July. I'm a 65-year-old social media strategist. I probably had about five or six really significant career shifts. Janai, it's even more than that. People asking me or not asking me about my degree. I've never had an interview. I've never had a background check. I have never had a drug test. I've never applied for a job and nobody has ever asked me about my degree ever.
1: Wow. I love that. Because
0: it's different. I mean, look, there are lots of people who are pressed to follow that process that HR defines. I decided not to follow that process. I decided to build a network of people who trust me, maybe respect me, maybe like me. And when I wanted to make a shift, I went and found people to have a conversation with. And if I went and found people to have a conversation with, more often than not, I would wager every time. I ended up talking to the business owner, the director, the leader of the organization about what they were trying to achieve. And in a few occasions, I can remember two very specific occasions where they were lobbying slash pitching me to join their team. Nobody's ever asked me about my degree.
1: I love that. So let's take it back to that first job. What was that first job? So you failed the semester. You didn't take it too bad. What happened next?
0: Um, I needed money because I, I had to pay my bills. I was working part-time you know, about 40 miles away from where I lived on my journey down to, uh, from upper Montgomery County, Maryland, down to college park to go to school. And I no longer made, it didn't make sense for me to drive 50 miles to work for part-time money. So um, my brother told me about a chemical plant that was being built. And so I went and uh, I went and looked for the guy, the project manager of that chemical plant and said, Hey, I want to come work. I want to come help build this plant. And my very first real job, not high school part-time job. My very first real job was hauling cinder blocks and, uh, and bricks and rebar and, uh, and building a chemical plant. And I knew it was just a stopgap job as I tried to figure out what it is I really wanted to do. So yeah, I built a chemical plant. And then I not only built the chemical plant, I worked there for about seven, eight years. I eventually became the assistant plant manager of a radiation facility that worked with neurotoxins. I ended up being assistant plant manager of about 25 people under me.
1: How did that happen? Do you mind going into detail like how you moved up? Look, I was 22 years
0: old, 23 years old at that point. So I built the plant, and I understood what they are trying to do, and I understood how to run the plant. I knew the owner of the company. Uh, I knew the, the vice president of the company. Uh, I got to know, uh, a a dude by the name of Dada who was this, the plant manager. He had really bad, uh, health issues with his feet, uh, spurs or some kind of feet problem. And so he knew he was going to be out of work for a month. So he came to me and he said, before I go off on surgery, I want to make sure, you know, all the things we need to do, I'll give you a promotion to be the assistant plant manager while I'm gone. Well, when he came back, he liked the way I was running the plant. We were under budget. Everything was going well. And so he left me to be plant manager. And, and I just kept learning and growing in that role.
1: Yeah. So what came yeah. next? And why did you decide to
0: leave? While I worked there, I worked part-time at a computer store. And uh, originally it was to be, you know, a technician, an engineer, a help desk person, but they wanted people to sell computers. So it really didn't work out because I didn't really want to sell. But I got to go work at a computer store for about three or four months. Well, I also, and back in those days, PCs were very, uh, very new. They're new on the market. Well, I, I, as assistant plant manager for chemical plant. I needed to um, I needed to manage inventory. I needed to manage chemicals and, and processing and stuff like that. I convinced the you know, the owner of the company to buy me a a compact portable computer. This was an expensive brick, okay, uh, with Lotus one two three, which is before Microsoft Excel, and with DBase three, which is uh, before you know Oracle and all this stuff. I wrote a warehouse management system to manage the chemicals and the processing and all of that for this for this plant. Well, I built that software. One of the vice presidents of the company said uh, he was gonna go off and build a, buy a franchise, a computer store franchise. He needed somebody to work that. He knew I was the only one that he knew that knew anything about computers because all he had at home was a Commodore 64. This dude came to me and said, I want to hire you uh, to work in my computer business, uh, building systems. I had four daughters. I had a brand new mortgage. I, I couldn't you know, take a leap of faith with him. So I said to him, I'm making this much money right now. If you can guarantee me that for the next three years, I'll come to work for you. He wrote me a contract where he guaranteed to pay me that much money for three years. I wasn't interested in a pay raise. Janai. do you know what I was interested in? The experience. That's what I was interested in. So my next big move was to go work for a computer company, building computer systems, writing more software, and out serving businesses uh, and helping them use computer systems.
1: Nice. So now you switched that job. You took that leap of faith, but you advocated for yourself, which is really important because a lot of people take these leaps of faith, but they don't advocate for themselves and they get themselves in a tricky situation. And he obviously knew you, you know, he has to feel comfortable enough in you so that he's going to say like, okay, I know I can pay him because he's not going to slack off six months later. So now how was it? How did that business go?
0: So the business went well. I grew, I learned, I learned, uh, you know, systems, I learned business systems. I wrote a a much bigger warehouse management system. I wrote a point of sale system for a a facility with 15 uh, branches across the country. I got to really work with some really cool business professionals. And that opened the door for me to become Ultimately, the, the VP of IT for probably close to a $200 million a year company. And they moved me from Maryland to North Carolina and treated me with lots of respect and, uh, and supported me in lots of ways. And I continued to grow. What happened, Janiyad, is that I got to the point where I was done raising four daughters and buying wedding dresses and prom dresses. And I decided it was time for me to. I had other interests. I decided that, you know, there's this stuff that's happening. This is back in uh, 2009, 2010. There was stuff that was going on that was really freaking intriguing to me. And I started experimenting with it and playing with it and practicing with it. And I discovered that, oh my God, this is my next great thing. And what that's called social media. I discovered Twitter, Facebook. I discovered blogging. I discovered YouTube. And then I discovered this thing called LinkedIn. And that's when I decided it's time to make a huge shift. And this shift was even more risky to many people's minds, not to mine. But I, I quit working for corporate America and went to zero income for about three months while I built a business Teaching people what I have been learning for the last three years, and that is how to use social media for business. And then I got really, really focused to the point where I started clearly, I I kept learning all social media, but I really focused on LinkedIn. I became a LinkedIn strategist, trainer, and coach in my own business.
1: That was a smart move because LinkedIn has definitely taken off and... You know, has opened up opportunities, right? That's how we met. It's changed my life. I'm so glad I got into it. Now, social media evolves really quickly. So, how has the industry changed over time, and how have you adapted to that?
0: It's a double edged sword, Janine. You probably do. You have Facebook and Twitter, yeah. yeah so I got you it. you see what's going on on Facebook yeah. and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and even LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn's a business tool. A little bit different type of social media platform if you use it right. But one of the things that's going on is that people are starting to use these tools maybe inappropriately, at least inappropriately in my mind.
1: Same here. I feel the same way exactly about LinkedIn. I use my TikTok and Twitter differently than I use my LinkedIn because they're different platforms.
0: Yeah. What you're seeing is it's easier for people to argue. It's easier for people to not tell the truth on social media. And I'm being very polite
1: with my words. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I see this and I hear people ranting and raving about, oh my God, I hate what I see on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. And we got to remember, these tools are out there to make money. First and foremost, now they may very clearly and appropriately and and politely say we're out here to help the community and help people connect. Yeah, that's true, but they're out there to make money. Yeah so they're going to look for the, the applications are going to let these systems be used in ways that we may not all agree with now i stay true to this i stay true to this perspective that i want to use social media for the right things i want to never do say or engage in any way that i don't want to be seen heard or perceived of in life so i try my best no, don't misunderstand me Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I have a little bit of fun. I go right up to the edge, you know? But I don't go stupid. So we got to we got to realize that it's it's we. It's us as individuals who may or may not be using the tool properly. Facebook didn't create this problem. It only created a platform where people can do that. Yeah. You know. So what we have to do is pay attention to how we are using it. We have to pay attention to who we're connecting with. We have to pay attention to who we're getting in conversations with. And look, if you walk into a bar at 11 o'clock at night and you see this table of rowdies over here and you see this table of really cool people over here, you got to make a decision which way you're going to turn. Same thing on social media.
1: That's so true because, like, my TikTok is all business advice, career advice. And all that. And it's like, you can use it how you want it. And again, they're going to feed you what you want, right? A lot of these algorithms, if they see you like a certain type of content, they're going to force that on you. Here's, here's more. Here's, here's no, more. No, They don't
0: force it on you. They just give
1: it to you. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You keep
0: touching it. You keep touching it.
1: You know, yeah. and you get more of that. Yeah. So now looking back, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment?
0: I raised four daughters who don't have jobs. I raised four daughters who have multiple businesses. They understand and they celebrate the gig economy. And they all four of them have done fabulous things in their communities. All four of them have done fabulous things with their own families. And uh, for me, that's really freaking rewarding. I mean, I have lots of accomplishments that I'm excited about. That warehouse, those two warehouse management systems I got celebrated for over a year by lots of people uh, publicly and privately for creating those tools, you know, deciding that I'm going to design my own life. You know, I I early on decided that I was going to design my own life. Did I make some hiccups along the way? Did I work for two companies that went bankrupt? Wish I hadn't lost, you know, two huge 401ks in that process. Yeah, yeah. But you live and learn, and you keep moving forward. So, my biggest um, success in life is is being a human and helping other humans be humans.
1: That's amazing. We need more people like you. Now, let's go the other way. What would you say was the hardest period of your life, and why was it so hard? And how'd you go through it?
0: <laughs> in the mid nineties or maybe early 19, I gotta say 1990s, you know, because I never know who listens to this. Um, I had a small townhouse in um, Montgomery County, Maryland. I paid $50,000 for this thing. I had an opportunity to buy a, what's called a spec home. It's a home that a a developer was building with the uh, simple intent of finding somebody to buy it. He didn't have anybody lined up. He was speculating someone would want this house. I saw this spec home in, uh, in the frame. I saw the frame on top of this hill while I was helping a friend of mine, you know, on a side, we were doing vinyl siding, putting uh, siding on homes. I kept seeing this house sit up on the hill. Told my buddy, I said, man, that house would be perfect for my family. He said, well, go ask the owner. We, I knew the owner. The dude's name was Bob. Go ask Bob. I bet you he'll make a deal for you. It's a spec house. So I went and asked Bob. I said, Bob, what would it take for me to buy the house? He goes, you can buy it right now as is, and I will help you finish building it. And everything I put into it, I'll charge you 10%, but everything you put into it, I won't charge anything for it. We get done. I'm going to charge you this much for the house, plus everything I put into it. Now, this is a 3,000 square foot home on three acres. Okay. This is a pretty big piece of property out in that community. Got done. Got done. I think I bought that house for less than a 100000 But here was the part that was the most, the scariest. I didn't have enough money. My wife and I were keeping track of every penny. And we went to settlement. We expected settlement to be, pick a number, $5. $5 plus the mortgage. That's what we expected. We get to the settlement table and... The numbers were wrong. There was a huge mistake. We fixed it. We figured it out. But when we left that settlement table, I had about 20 bucks to my name total. Remember I told you I worked for a company that I lost my all my investments. My 401k went bye-bye. We left the settlement table. I had less than 100 bucks in, to our name. I had no other money. And worse than that or scarier than that. I was leaping from a three hundred dollar a month mortgage to a thousand dollar mortgage.
1: And this is the '90s, so that's a lot. This
0: is the '90s, dude. I went from I, I tripled my mortgage, and I did not change my income. We could afford to do it, but it was paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes just stretch that paycheck a little bit more. Now, here's how. Here's why we did it. I was paying attention to the mortgage industry. We were just coming out of the 16% interest rates for home. People were paying 16% interest rates on mortgages back in the late 80s. Um, It was short-lived. And I truly believe that whatever I put in that house, I would get out of it factorially. And I did. But it took 10 years. But I got it out. Again, what did I tell you earlier? I bought a lot of wedding dresses and a lot of prom dresses.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's such a interesting thing, and you know you bet on yourself, and I'm glad that bet paid off because you know you don't have all the bets pay off, but that's definitely a big one. And I could only imagine how how scary it is when things happen and you're you're short on money. Now you came out of that home, you did well, so now it's like 2000s. What would you do between 2000 and 2010? Because 2008 onwards, your social media, right? Yeah, you're doing that. Man. What was that ten year? Well, how did that ten year look like?
0: It was 1997 when we sold that house in Maryland and remember that's Maryland and we moved to North Carolina. Now if anybody knows about the economy is there's a, there's a huge difference in the cost of homes in Maryland and much lower in North Carolina. And we moved to North Carolina and I took that this is the job that where the company treated me with lots of respect and care and moved me down here and I went to work for a company in North Carolina. Now I worked for for them until 2005, and 2005, I wanted to get back into the the basics of of technology, and I went to work back. I was working for a a facility management company, and then I went back to work in a computer company from at 2005. And the reason why I did this, Janine, is that I knew that I was done buying wedding dresses and, and putting kids through school. I needed, I wanted to start my own business. And in order to start your own business, you have to know how to sell. i would never sold anything. So I figured, you know, here's an idea. I'll go sell computer systems and staffing and disaster recovery and all that kind of stuff, consulting, just to learn to sell. I studied uh, Dale Carnegie, I studied Sandler Training, I studied Ralph Waldo Emerson, Zig Ziglar, Norman Vincent Peale, a bunch of other dead people who were really freaking smart, and I learned how to sell. I learned how to cold call, I learned how to network, I also became a Toastmaster, I learned how to speak better, I I, I speak a little bit better, and also went to learn how to write, I I took some English courses to study my native language and writing better, and i did that started that in 2005 by about 2007 i started thinking okay i've got enough out of the sky it was not until late 2009 that i put together my plan to start my own business that i executed on in 2010 and first i kind of thought that my business was going to be my core technology stuff but by that time i was so deep in social media when I started talking to my, my mentors, my guides, my friends, uh, my business associates, they said, if you start a technology company, you're a fool because you love to speak. You love to train. You love to coach. And you're all over this freaking social media stuff. That's what you should be doing. And when I started hearing what they said, it made sense. And that's how I became
1: this freak named Teddy Burris, the social media strategist. That's awesome. Now. You obviously had good mentors. How did you go about finding them? How did you go about maintaining a good relationship with them? How did you learn how to grow with them? Because I've seen a lot of people have access to mentors, but they don't know how to use them. And then they don't know how to manage the relationship because a lot of people don't know, hey, I'm a young kid. How do I properly engage with someone who's 40, 50 I want to respect their time. So what advice would you have regarding that? Remember this.
0: I want to put this in front of everything. The best mentors are those who care about you and people will care about you when they discover you care about them. So don't go look, unless you want to just pay for a coach, which a lot of people pay for coaches. I didn't pay for any of my mentors. My mentors were people that I trusted and respected and they saw me caring and trusting for them. And I, I had their ear anytime I needed their ear. And they had my ear anytime they needed me or someone else needed me. It's called Networking for Mutual Benefit. Google the book on Amazon, Networking for Mutual Benefit. I'll go ahead and be transparent. I wrote that book. And um, and I, I created relationships with people who were smarter than me. Gerald Crisco taught me the power of the dollar. Nigel Alston taught me the power of, you know, networking in a very deliberate way. Uh, uh, Keith Ferrazzi taught me how to meet someone, have lunch with them. Um, You know, you get to meet these people and you create friendly relationships with them, people that you trust and respect in the spaces that you want to be in. And if you're just willing to have conversations with these people and let them know, very simply, you know, I have this question. Maybe you can answer it for me. You know, don't treat it like a transactional relationship. Treat it like a human relationship, and then you get to meet people like Don O'Connor, who who I go to when I need sales training. You get to meet keep people like Marianne and Kurt Hauser, who are business coaches who own Action Coaches. I could call them up and I could sit with them on their front porch and have a conversation with them about business and get ideas. It's all about the relationship, a, a human-to-human relationships, And you start by asking people to introduce you to the right people. And if you get people that trust and respect you, to introduce you to people they trust and respect, it can create fabulous conversations.
1: Oh, I love that. Now, this is going to be a very interesting question. If you saw your 18-year-old self walking in the street today, so it's 2023, mm-hmm what would you tell him?
0: You're too young to worry about making money. You've got a lot to learn. Keep learning and get out of the book and get out
1: in the field. Looking back, you know, what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made? Truly, transparently,
0: honestly, sincerely, don't think I made a hu- any huge mistakes. Maybe I should have found a way to keep going to school. Um, that could have a difference in my in my outcome. But then again it would have changed the outcome. And I have absolutely no regrets. You know, again, going back to school and getting a degree, it could have helped me internally. It could have helped me, you know, believe in myself more, uh, even though I have no regrets of what I did. As long as you truly believe in yourself and as long as you're truly doing the right things and you feel comfortable doing the right things to move yourself forward, make a dumb mistake. Make a lot of dumb mistakes and make them fast and then learn from them and don't make them again, Teddy. I don't have a
1: big, ugly, hairy, uh, worst mistake ever. So you mentioned you're 65. What are your future goals? Like what goals do people at your age have? (laughs) I have two
0: kegs in my kegerator. I want a three keg kegerator. Oh, wait a minute. You mean real goals. <laughs> <laughs> no, those count too. Yeah, they do count. Especially when you're when you a craft beer, uh, not addict, but lover. Look, Janaya, I have no plans to do what's referred to as a traditional retirement. I have to keep this happening. I have to keep having conversations with people globally. I thrive on that. I have a brother who's sixty-six years old. When he was sixty-five, he retired. He had no plans. I said, "What are you going to do?" He said, I don't know. And that's how you die. You know, that's how you absolutely freaking die. You you can't you can't stop. You got to keep learning. Now, I'm not going back to school to get a, a master's degree or anything like that. You know, a bachelor's and then a master's and a, a doctorate. I have a sixty-seven-year-old buddy of mine who's working on his doctorate. You know why he's doing it? Because he wants to. So at 65 or whatever age, it makes a difference what age you can or want to make a change in your life, make a change that's meaningful to you. Make a change that allows you to continue being a contributor to society. Because the only thing, Janai, that I told my daughters I expected of them is to be a contributor, a positive contributor to society. And I think as long as we are always doing that, and loving what we're doing, keep doing it to some degree or another until the good Lord says stop.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, thank you so much for this phenomenal episode. You are an amazing public speaker. I'm a Toastmaster, and you have a way on camera. And thank you for sharing your experiences. I know the audience gained a lot of perspective. I would love to do an episode again in a few years because then you'll be the, you know, a 70-year-old, social media show whatever you're doing and I'd love to kind of get seated the update
0: thanks for the opportunity to chat you have an absolutely fabulous weekend
1: another great episode thank you for listening hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot stay tuned for the next episode this show is sponsored by you no degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias if you think the show is worth a dollar or two please check out our patreon page any amount is appreciated, and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at Podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree I-N-C. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Junaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.